Welcome back to Podsite, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. And today we are going to, once again, launch into the year of the new sun. New book. Citadel of the Autark, chapters I through X, which is Roman, apparently, for 1 through 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and today with me is none other than the usual crew, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Carlo. And Kurt. Hello, Kurt. Correct thought is the path through the wilderness, <laughs> and it is only by embracing correct thought that we may persevere in times of trouble. Ah, I see that you've been reading up on the Council of Seventeen. I can never betray the Council of Seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> By correct thought, a nation is built. God, I love that shit. Yeah. Um, and, and it is by the juice of the berry that correct thought is <laughs> Yeah. No, no, no. That was great. That was great. I love I love when um Gene is is like, I've just discovered where some ants in my house are coming from. How interesting they are descending my basement wall. This is this is not this is not a uh, this is not a bit of um, uh, a clever bit of, of ASCII and proverb. It's literally something I just I just re- uh, discovered. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, I love the bit uh, where where Gene Wolfe is like building up to something, and you're like ASCIIans, how weird could they be? And you get to them, and it's like pretty weird. Pretty yeah, weird. pretty weird. Yeah, actually weird. I, you know what? I, I was um, as as I was revisiting these chapters, uh, I was I was struck by by sort of how, uh, like the the correct thought in the Council of Seventeen, and and sort of like how the Askin speak is very much in the vein of you know sort of like something like Darmok, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where it's a, it's it's a bunch of almost meme memed phrases that yep. uh, you know that mm-hmm. that you just use to communicate and that that's all. Anyway, we are jumping ahead yeah. uh, because yes. we start off with none other than a dead soldier. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, let me let me just read something here because I I think it's like really evocative. It's it's beautifully written. And uh, once I, I'm done here, I, I want to say that it reminded me of something very specific. Um, so uh, we, we, we come across uh, Severian. He's wandering north. And um, he says, war is not a new experience. It is a new world. Its inhabitants are m- more different from human beings than Famulimus and her friends. Its laws are new, and even its geography is new, because it is a geography in in which insignificant hills and hollows are lifted to the importance of cities. Just as our familiar earth holds such monstrosities as Erebus, Abaya, and Arioch, so the world of war is stocked by the monsters called battles, whose cells are individuals, but who have a life and intelligence of their own, and whom one approaches through an ever-thickening array of portents. And uh, that just got me really thinking about like that uh, that that plate uh, that they used for um, Thomas Hobbes Leviathan, just like oh, imagining yeah, yeah. imagining like a, a a huge body composed of other human bodies just crawling mm. across the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, it's it was a very evocative image that I I, I can't think of. Um quite having encountered before but i really liked the yeah the organic description of battle and the conception of like 
but uh warfare is not just like terrain but like an organism like a like like a totally separate way of being mm. uh essentially and i thought that was very cool well and, and it it sort of uh hints at the sort of like the depersonalization that happens mm-hmm. uh right once you're you're in a battle you you're no yeah. longer you you know like if i were holding a, my energy weapon you know uh and waiting for the enemy to cross the the pickets or whatever uh i am not carlo i am now you know part of the x front you know the mm-hmm. part of the ascian front now and i'm just part of a, a larger organism and i'm subsumed into it uh even though i do not believe that <laughs> as i'm sitting there shivering uh, waiting for for the enemy to appear right yeah and and it's sort of uh it's an interesting counterpoint because we were just joking about you know like how the ascians are sort of feel very much um non-individual uh and and here we have you know war with which is a force that can pretty much strip you of its, of your individuality uh, for a, a greater cause. Right. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, this is, this is an interesting beginning to this book. It's very, um, it's a lot less roundabout than the last couple ones. It's very mm-hmm. much like, okay, here's what's, you know, it, it feels like we haven't missed very much between now and then, or possibly we have, uh, it's a little bit vague on that front. Um, but, uh, it certainly goes in an unexpected direction, but at least the very beginning, you're like, okay, he seems to be, he's progressing northward. And he, and he said that he would, uh, you know, proceed up and towards the front of the battle. And he certainly seems to have, yeah. um, and, uh, and then I, I, I admittedly a whole lot of weird shit happens after that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he finds a dead soldier <laughs> that's right and that, i really that's not appreciated a- i really appreciated that the first two chapters are called the dead soldier and then the living soldier <laughs> <laughs> you know gene gene has a talent uh with with telling a story in chapter titles you yeah know, that's <laughs> um so so I, I do like that um like there's there's a very uh speaking of uh, how direct the sort of like the the the, narr- the narrative goes, uh, how sort of careful and roundabout Severian approaches, you know the the soldier because he hears like a like something snap like a twig snap or something like that and he's yeah like, oh. he he kind of like he follows something that lands on on a boot and then and he's like kind of like hiding in the br- the brush and things like that like he's very it's a, yeah like a fly yes the, yeah that's right yeah. And um, I don't know, he, he's very much like acting like somebody who's like maybe encountered, uh, you know, soldiers before and it was not a good experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because then it it sort of uh, implies without spelling out that, you know, maybe a bit more time has passed and he's sort of uh, figured out ways to get around, you know, like uh, different uh watches and and guard posts and so on and so forth uh more or less because of the the same the same reason you said chris that yeah maybe he was you know accosted at least once right like he doesn't have any he doesn't have any food or anything so he's like completely like tottering around just like 
I think he's been without food for several, like at least seven days or something like that. Yeah. I I always feel like he's always like wandering. There wasn't, he just never has water on him. He's always just like, I'm so thirsty. (laughs) Like, (laughs) well, that's, that's a way, uh, you know, like uh, if, if you ever wanted to uh, get your RPG characters uh, back in line, just take away everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I like, I I like how, go ahead. No, you think you're all high and mighty at 10th level. How about everything gets stolen from you? <laughs> Deal with that. Sorry, Kurt. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I, he has a nice quip about how, like, uh, you know, per, per, it's funny because he calls it fasting and not, like, starving. He's like, you know, <laughs> fasting has a way of, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, robbing a man's bravery. Although perhaps it didn't rob it. Perhaps it just consumed a little bit of it, which I thought was funny. Yeah. He's <laughs> got a little uh, a consumption of food on the brain, huh? Hmm. Hmm. Even his metaphors are about eating. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, he meets this dead soldier who uh, he almost immediately starts like ransacking his pockets and whatnot. And uh, and uh, like he, he, he is able to glean some food out of uh, his pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, reads he, like a he, he go ahead. if I may say he's looting the body. Woo, hey, yo, yeah, nice. <laughs> shout nice. out to our awesome theme music, yes, indeed. Um, so he uh, and then he he reads this letter, uh, and I I didn't I don't know if there's any importance to it. I mean, I I do think it's it's a good little uh snippet of peering into who this person was right uh Mm -hmm. just sort of trying to figure out who they might have been uh given that they're now a corpse my my dear petunia we have made contact with continental (laughs) army it's very ken Ken burns asking once <laughs> just imagining could you imagine that would be great like uh, a ken burns style documentary about the askian front <laughs> that would be awesome honestly honestly um the closest thing i can think to that i probably mentioned it before is uh this book called fitzpatrick's war which is like a sci-fi it's kind of like a future steampunk um uh war like military sf novel that's that's kind of told through like uh a a journal like Mm -hmm. a uh, like a found document journal of of like a future war um like post post technological collapse and people have kind of risen back up to like the level of like the victorian age um Mm -hmm. and that it's kind of told through a similar conceit but anyway yes i would i would love that for something more like (laughs) you know more wacky sf like uh, gene wolf yeah right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, uh, on your on your uh, recommendation, Kurt. I do have that uh, on my to, to be read pile. The, the secondary one because the the primary one is a little too tall. I I may <laughs> suffer injuries. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so then um, basically, uh, Severian decides that he's going to try. Uh, he 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 takes out he's going to try to revive the soldier using the 
the remen the the remnants of the claw, right? Which is now in fact the claw itself, right? Yeah. No no jewel around it because that was uh that was disintegrated or, or, or shattered into many pieces uh by none other than Baldander's um <laughs> Baldander's silver hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> big baby. Yeah, big baby. You jumped into the lake. Um but anyway, uh so he he like presses it. Uh he he puts the point into his forehead and draws like a little bit of blood and then like weirdly he puts the claw like opens his mouth and puts the claw inside it. Uh and uh essentially like he's like within uh, Within the hour, basically, he's, he notices that there's weird movement. Like, he's he's shuddering, he's shaking, something's happening. And uh, so, eventually, he, he, he basically comes, yeah, he, he comes to life somewhat. Yes. Not responsive. I really liked, uh, there's a later musing from Severian where he talks about, like, well, maybe if the claw indeed kind of like rewinds or shifts time around maybe that sound i heard was his death rattle and he was having to go backwards through the process of dying in which case kind of that yikes that kind of sucks real bad um (laughs) and, and it's 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 funny because it seems like severian almost concludes that it didn't work um because he's like oh well the guy's dead i guess you know, doesn't seem to be doing anything more. It seems like maybe he only it only brought it back a little bit. And then he wakes up the next morning. And he's like, oh, no, this guy's alive <laughs> from the spectrum of mostly dead to mostly alive. He's right in the middle. Yes, he is. This man is an ex soldier. <laughs> he has expired. Wait, no, no, never mind. He's back. <laughs> just just need to resign your billet. Um <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, basically he uh, manages to get him walking again. Uh, he, he he very generously offers him the food, part of the food that he had <laughs> ransacked from him <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to, to get his strength back uh, and so on. And then, like, they, they set off um, after a while, they set off to... Uh, to the north because they hear uh a uh they 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 hide from patrols and then as i guess they're they're moving north again uh i guess they run across like random soldiers um and and there's a i think it's here where they they talk a little bit about how the apparently many of the 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 platoons or or whatever the i i I don't remember exactly the the nomenclature but basically you know a lot of them are just completely almost decimated uh and the remainders just sort of have to wander around and reconnect with another uh still a a platoon that still has like their commanding officer and whatnot yeah and so they I, I i forget the term yeah but it's it's very um it's very kind of like Napoleonic era sounding. Um, mm. Yeah, it's got it's got that interesting kind of like cal- broken cavalry charge feel. Like he's he's very much in a he's within a country that has no land. Uh, you know, like it's and the country is war, and he's kind mm. of meandering along the outskirts of it, and he's encountering it seems like encampments and kind of people traveling around, and and yeah, I I enjoyed this uh, this part. 
a great deal because it's kind of it was a good capturing of like I think that that sense of like chaos that you get from like interesting war stories where it's like you mm-hmm. know you could you could encounter anything right like you're coming up on a group of soldiers is that are they friendly are they foe are they you know like deserters like what like what does this mean is this and it's not it's not exactly like he's infiltrating he's just kind of walking around but it it definitely has a bit of like a like a tension to it i think yeah yeah and so uh as as they wander north i guess they they question some of the people that that seem approachable and they they sort of oh yeah off to the north and and there's a small uh path through the tree through two trees that you'll see and you know there's a there's a what was the name that they use here the lazarette the lazarette that's it yeah which is a a weird uh term which is totally appropriate but also lazarette lazarus um Mm. you know obviously there's a root there yeah Uh, i mean it it, it's i'm gonna guess that it comes from that you know they they revive the the war dead you know i so i looked this up a it, it it could be two things one is a lazarette is like the storage room on a ship but probably more relevant, a lazaretto is a quarantine station for sailors. Um, mm. b- basically, where like if you had arrived from a long vessel, you would be held somewhere while they made sure that you weren't, you know, dying of some terrible disease before letting you back on shore. They should have kept Hethor there for a little longer, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my man's dying of horny. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, somebody somebody uh sent his uh, little sex doll out <laughs> in an escape pod, so you know, trying to Speaking of back. which, by the way, speaking of which, um I like when Severian and the soldier who I I think he names him Miles later, mm-hmm. <laughs> Miles Prower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he 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 names him Miles later. Um uh he's just kind of like so let me tell you about all the hot women I've met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's just part of Severian's charm, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a perfect memory for everything, especially hot babes. Hot <laughs> babes, <laughs> baby. Um, d- d- that said, there, there d- was something penthouse. really there was something really interesting that I that I, I noticed, and I'm curious if you guys noticed it. Um, did you notice anything in particular when he brought up Morwenna? The oh, woman yeah. that he executed in uh, um, oh, hold on, yes, it's, it's in that weird, uh, well, weird he, dream. Right? He, he said something about like he he under kind of maybe understood why she would have poisoned her family or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. He says he says that he basically says that you know he thinks that Dorcas left him because uh, Dorcas couldn't like she she longed for the life that she had before and he wasn't a part of that and so maybe Morwenna poisoned her family because she longed for the life that she had before them but last time Severian talked about it he was pretty convinced that Morwenna didn't poison her family and in fact the other woman straight up said haha I tricked them into thinking that you killed your family uh. Um, so I was struck by that inconsistency, whether that is because he's feverish or if he's Severian doing a Severian or, or what? Cause that was, that stood out to me a great deal. 
I so if we if we were to go back real quick um, to the the execution of Morwenna, there's a line that has stuck with me, right? And uh, and I don't remember the exact line, but it is essentially Severian saying it's the first and only time we actually hear Severian utter the the word demiurge, and it makes me think to a certain extent that Severian uh, understands that the justice that he as a member of the guild of truth and penitence uh, meets out is imperfect. Um, and so uh, it's weird, right? Because then I, I wonder, like you said, Kurt, I wonder if it's him also resenting <laughs> the fact that he was forced to kill an innocent woman. And therefore he does the, the, what is that? That, that Nietzschean thing is like, uh, you know, pride and pride and memory, you know, are, are always grappling with, with each other. Memory says, I can't believe I did that. Pride says, um, you know, you, you had to, or something to that effect. And eventually pride wins. Now that's interesting because I've always gotten the impression that Severian doesn't really care about, um guilty or 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 innocent his excuse has always been as you say well you know it's not really my job to worry about whether they're guilty or innocent i'm i'm just serving out you know a well, sentence he's, and if i didn't he's follow, do it he's following orders else would, and i'm following orders and i'm going to do it justly and humanely uh or i'm going to torture them but i you know i, I i'm a craftsman i'm not mm-hmm. just some you know rude uh mutilator or whatever um and and so it, yeah i i don't know i it, it you're you're right it never seems to bother him but i didn't think it's because he he like was convinced that they were all guilty i kind of felt like he was just like well you know so it goes well i mean also this is um within the context that we're talking here there's uh we're in a dream right now where it seems like a very prophetic dream Perhaps even a vision, a presentiment of yeah. Severian's future, because the Cumaean is there, and as we know uh, from the the battle in the Stone City, uh, the Cumaean is able to, you know, sort of warp time in some way, right? Can bring the past forward to the present, or bring the present back to the past. We're not entirely sure. Um, He's also tripping balls. Uh, oh, in, that too. In like, yeah, ha- having like a weird f- fever dream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I so, got a fever. <laughs> got a fever. So, um, let let me back up real quick because I I do want to talk about something that uh, is really interesting about Miles, where it's it's something that you know you immediately pick up on because it sounds very familiar, and um, so when uh, Severian asks um, Miles, you know, do you recall your name? And Miles, who at that point hasn't been named yet or doesn't hasn't remembered his name, says at that he thought for several moments and at last smiled ruefully. I lost it somewhere along the way. That's what the Jaguar said, who had promised to guide the goat. (laughs) And so immediately you're like, hmm, this sounds suspiciously like a Jonasism. So, uh, and then if we can jump forward to the weird prophetic dream, there is like, God, it's so great because there's like, it feels like every once in a while, um, 
You know, like every <laughs> so many paragraphs, Gene decides and rolls a rolls a die and decides, you know, and and lets it decide what modality he's going to be writing in, because this feels very dreams, uh, a dream on the edge of nightmare. Hmm. Uh, because there's like a, a water pitcher, and then w- they pour out some water and uh, give it to uh, because ma- they're at Master Mel Rubius's bedside, the command and her assistant, uh, Marin. And then uh, they give Master Mel Rubius a sip of water and they toss out the rest onto the floor where the puddle, you know, the, the, the spray of water uh, hits, the it just starts bubbling up out of the ground like a spring, right? And so it starts flooding the room. And when Severian looks, looks over at the pitcher, there's a tiny Hethor swimming around, <laughs> you know, like just doing all his Hetherisms, you know, like just being fucking weird. <laughs> what is it? Hold on. Let me see here. You know, uh, Sometimes driven to ground by the photon storms, by the swirling of the galaxies, clockwise and counterclockwise, ticking with light down the dark sea corridors, lined with our sails, our demon-haunted mirror sails, our hundred-league masts, and so on and so forth. You know, the the, the, the usual stuff that you, that uh, Hethor loves to, to <laughs> just spout. Um, and that's on, that goes on for about a, another paragraph or so. Uh, but But then, like, they just... When they dump out the water, they turn over the glass and cover the pitcher's mouth so that you don't hear him anymore. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is happening? And so uh, eventually, like, Triskel shows up as well, and he's splashing through the water that keeps on, like, uh, flooding the chamber. And uh, the, the last line of that uh, that uh, image, right, is water from the room behind us poured out oh, because they're they're also uh apparently master Melrubus's bed is like in the eyes of typhon uh chamber yeah. so you have two gigantic windows looking down over the entirety of the world and so the the water starts like just spewing out one of the eyes and it says water from the room behind us poured from the eye and catching the light fell in a rainbow hmm what other rainbows that are very um, important regarding floods and whatnot um, do we know about uh, i didn't think about that <laughs> he, I, uh he's he, he's also during this time has decided that he is thecla and he has a memory he has some memories as thecla and then he's like i'm thecla but i'm 13 wait i'm also the soldier <laughs> and yeah. then and then he imagines that the bed is a is a woman's giant hand and and He's tripping balls, man. <laughs> also, I, I, I do want to go back uh, a second because, um, or, or actually, Miles hasn't been named yet, but I do want to point out that if we looked at Miles's name in Spanish, it's Miles, which is thousands, which is another, like, if we were to use, uh, you know, good Roman word for that it would be legion yes mm-hmm aha uh-huh. yeah I see. oh clever yeah yep yeah, yeah. wow i mean i don't know i don't know if that's really that's, that's the, a long the road to get there <laughs> <laughs> but as as we know gene loves to 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 write in at least three different layers well yeah i mean and that's why it, it, it we can't like completely discount it because yeah like that's totally something that gene wolf would do <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Wolfian thing, right? Absolutely, yeah. 
So, uh, so they get to the, to the lazarette. Uh, basically, um, no one, like, uh, you know, no one's exactly sure. Like, Severian's not sure if he is helping, uh, the, 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 the now living soldier, uh, you know, get to the lazarette or if the soldier's helping him get to the lazarette. But they are, they are, they finally get there <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they, they basically, uh, keep, keep uh severian for a while because he's all feverish and apparently they they think that um the water that he had found from a stream might have been bad even though it was nice and clear and all that stuff. right well he, Which, I, yes i i did like how he's like oh there's little minnows in the stream that always means it's clean when, yeah. and like, when i read that i was like mm, i don't know severian i but you know what that's you know that's the sort of thing that people would put in a book but but yeah, it's <laughs> 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 little minnows. There couldn't possibly be amoebic dysentery in here. <laughs> I, I did really like how um, he's like comparing notes with Miles and, and he's like, uh, yeah, I kept talking to you and you didn't say anything. And Miles goes, I was talking to you and you weren't <laughs> saying anything. <laughs> they, they they just so happened to talk to each other co- totally coincidentally um when the other one was at peak feverishness so yeah. they couldn't figure out what the fuck yeah whether anyone was talking to them but um but yeah so so they get to the lazarette and um and so it it, it becomes clear that uh that the soldier is taken off into a different, like a different area. Um, and Severian is uh, placed with, um, it, it makes me think of like, uh, a, a sort of a reflection or a, uh, like, uh, I don't even know if it's supposed to reflect anything, but it makes me think of the, the aliens, right? Uh, because you got, I mean, Miles, Foyla, Melito, and Halvard. And so you get, he's, he gets, Placed with Foyla, Melito, and Halvard, um, and uh, and and later to be found out the uh, <laughs> the Askian soldier. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it reminded me of uh, was it uh, Famulimus Osipago and uh, Barbatus? Interesting. Or yeah, yeah. Like he's um, re- recurring like, threes or something. Well, you know, it's it's just like the just like the Ramans uh, from uh, Arthur C. Clarke's Rendezvous with Rama. Uh, the Catholics love things in threes. <laughs> it's almost like there's like a, a trinity of some sort. <laughs> what? Mm, yes. <laughs> it's Kurt, you sounded like you're about to ch- like you, you pulled out a, a cigar you were chopping. She. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so then we get to meet these three sort of, uh, uh wounded, wounded warriors. Yeah. Oh no. Hey, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I didn't mean no, to no, say, say, Hey, like that, but <laughs> Hey, <laughs> um, have you ever read that one, um, Stephen King short story? That's like the, uh, with the gunslinger, but he's like, um, it, it's, it's takes place in between some of the books. He's like in this, like. He basically in this setting, like a lazarette where he's like being taken care of by nurses and things like that. Oh, I know. I think I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I can't remember I the name not, of it off the top yeah. of my head. But wasn't wasn't that like a 
It was in a collection. They, they, they converted it. They also converted it into a comic, right? Uh, probably, yeah, yeah. But that it, this kind of reminded me of the same thing, like where it's like you know a, a man on a wandering adventure, like you know ends up in like a hospital being tended by like nurses slash nuns type thing. Um, I don't know, <clears throat> just a striking similarity. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be at all surprised that King. No, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. And I think that's something that King doesn't. Anyway, it's just, we're not about talking about King, but I, I don't think he gets um, talked about enough for for the stuff that he like, kind of like, obviously is influenced by and and you re like reuses and rehashes, especially yeah, yeah, especially exactly. the Dark Tower stuff. But oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the the, the Dark Tower is very uh, complex uh, because of that, but also. Um, and and we we can we can close out the the, the tangent uh, after this. It's very complex, mainly because of those uh, those different influences and the implications uh, thereof. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so yep. But um, but yeah. Anyway, so so we get to meet sort of Severian's um, sort of bunk slash cotmates who are all sort of like in different <laughs> different ways, just like not doing very well, right? Uh, uh what was it um we we have another jonasism where uh miles basically um uh basically what was it uh i uh, so severian says i smiled and i may die here of the fever you didn't want to say that do i look as bad as poor melito melito looks pretty bad folks um <laughs> he shook his head not as bad no i think you'll make it that's what the thrush sang while the link, links chased the hair around the bay tree. Severian <laughs> answers. Now it was his turn to smile. You're right. I was about to say that. Is it a common expression in that part of the Commonwealth where you were brought up? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, uh, what was the other thing? Um, but yeah, that, that was, uh, so, so there's a, there's a, a little bit of a heart to heart, where Severian finally sort of like breaks down and, and like, you know, grabs him by his, his shoulders and like tries to peer into his eyes and says, Jonas, it's me, <laughs> you know, sort of Robocop style. Yeah. Um, and he says, Jonas, that was his name, had a habit of speech. Whenever he had to say something unpleasant, he softened it, made a joke of it by attributing what he said to some comic situation. The first night we were here, when I asked you your name, you said, I lost it somewhere along the way. That's what the jaguar said, who had promised to guide the goat. Do you recall that? He shook his head. I say a lot of foolish things. It struck me as strange because it's the kind of thing Jonas said, but he wouldn't have said it in that way unless he meant more by it than you seem to. I think he would have said that was the basket story that had been filled with water, something like that. I waited for him to speak, but he did not. The jaguar ate the goat, of course, swallowed its flesh and cracked its bones somewhere along the way. <laughs> I love that Severian ha- is forced to sort of explain the joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I really like this whole sequence. Um, it's, it's interesting because Severian has mostly been pretty guarded. Um, at least, w- w- interestingly, yeah, he's, I, I guess, like the, the people he's been the most open with were probably like Dorcas and then Jonas um pre- previously and even Jonas he was kind of he was kind of guarded with um and so it's interesting for him to be like 
Look, I got to tell you, I, I have a magical crystal. It can bring people back from the dead. I've been trying to give it back. Uh, here's here's the whole deal. Here's my whole life story. Uh, and he, he, does, he doesn't have like a paragraph or two. He's like, so what do you think about that? Huh? Huh? Does that mean anything to you? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I, I think uh, Gene Wolfe did an interesting trick because he doesn't let on that Severian thinks this the soldier is Jonas until like this part. Like he, he obviously realized it sooner, but he like, he kind of kept it from us, the readers until, until now. Cause I, I honestly, I, I, I did not pick up on that. Like, I thought that saying was strange, but I didn't think I didn't connect it with Jonas. So I, I, to me, it felt like a reveal. I don't know about for you guys or not, but um, I didn't pick up on it the very first time. Um, but the, the second time right before he says, so I think you're Jonas that time. That time I, I kind of started to wonder about it because mm. it, it drew a bit more attention to it. But yeah, yeah. The, the, the the first time totally breezed right by me. Yeah. By the way, I'm glad I'm I'm glad he's coming back. My boy's coming back. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jonas is one of my favorite characters, so I really hope we get we get some even some 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 Jonoid, you know, uh uh type uh characterization. Cause I don't know, he's just a, he's just a neat character, so I I hope I hope he gets a a second coming, you might say. <laughs> oh, hey oh. Um I I do also love that um there's there's plenty here for us to also think very much like Severian because he's he he asks um Miles about, you know, like, oh, have you heard of uh, Father Anir's mirrors? And then he asks him like, what did you what did you see? You know, what wh- before you came you know, before I, I, I was in front of you, you're like sort of helping you up and whatnot. What did you see? And then he's like, oh, yeah, like I saw like a bunch of my faces, um, and like darkness. And then uh, my face reflected many times. And you're like, hmm, <laughs> maybe Severian isn't exactly, you know, uh, going insane as he claims he is. Mm. Uh, but but it's also like sufficiently vague that you could you could also see what Severian sees because you know you're you're sort of being you're you're given him just enough to make the connection right um he also says he sees uh he sees a beautiful a very very beautiful woman so uh uh which which i i guess is is meant to evoke uh jolenta i guess yes he he uh, actually uh i think i don't remember if it's here or later he actually shows um shows him like a, a picture of Jolenta and Miles is like, um, maybe <laughs> yeah, she's very, you know, like he's sort of very pretty, but maybe I, I don't know. Um, but in any case, um, before all that, uh, it just so happens that good old Severian is chosen to be a judge yeah. in a storytelling contest. This is a very Mark Twain sort of conceit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I I also love that uh, that that there's like three different uh, like at, at least Halvard's story is very different from Melito's story, right? Um, and it feels like they're two different, very different types of story. Um, so so uh, do, do we do we want to talk a little bit about the the stories themselves or yeah? Just I mean, just they're they're uh, you know they're. Uh, like they're similar to the other stories that um have been told in these in these books and that they're like kind of like fableish like f- almost like fables like parable type type stories it seems like um 
except for that, that uh, you know like they, they they clearly have some are freighted with meaning and i can't honestly say exactly what but <laughs> they're well i mean i i um the, the way halvard's story pans out and develops makes me think that you know there's obviously some king lear dna in that right ah uh, yes, yes 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 the yes. grandfather sort of setting you know, like oh all my sons will have you know yeah. title to my land if they you know if they don't marry or, or they'll have um if they stay the way they are right now which is a, such a silly conceit mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but also um i mean it worked for shakespeare right that's right yeah <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't remember if um, King Lear has any specific uh, uh, like limitations, but it, it it does feel like one of these things where it's supposed to be very fairy tale ish. Like mm-hmm. this is a rule that is going to be broken, yeah, and that's how the story you know continues, right? Yep. That's how the story keeps on going, right? Exactly, yeah. So, um, uh, go ahead. Oh no, I, I I I I did enjoy like it was like um, he lived. Uh, Halvar's from the south. It, it said like he, he lives on a night. He's from the Southern Isles, and it felt very Nordic. Um, it also, to to me, it also felt like it felt like um, smashing together like Nordic and like uh, like uh, indigenous, like uh, Arctic indigenous peoples. Yeah. Uh, as well i don't know maybe maybe i'm just looking too much uh, or, or seeing too much into it but it, it felt sort of like not just nordic but yes very much so yeah um and i did love the fact that uh, basically it's um uh, one of his uncles uh you know who is ha- has been promised part of uh their their father's uh lands and and so on basically goes out with his other uncle both of them are unmarried yeah but uh the 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 sort of like they would only um get the inheritance if they were still you know basically they stayed uh unmarried mm-hmm. uh it, it wouldn't you know d- violate the, the 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 contract that they made on the, on the the old man's deathbed yeah and it turns out that um that Halvard's uncle, one of his uncles, has secretly found a woman who has a child and would, uh, you know, like completely unbalance the the terms. Uh, and the the other uncle knows it, and uh, I guess in a fit of trying to avoid being found out and losing everything, uh. You know the 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 one uncle throws the other the accusing one overboard and cuts his life rope his guy line right mm-hmm. into the icy water and as it turns out like they find the body it washes ashore and he's you know accused of murder but when you know like they uh, question him you know he he tells the story that you know that he was falling he he harpoon something uh he got you know the 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 drowned uncle got tangled up in the line and got pulled overboard he had to cut the line otherwise it would have capsized the boat and they would have both drowned and when they find the body the the line is cut much closer to the to the uh to the dead man's body than than the you know than was told right mm-hmm. and so he's immediately like uh you know basically found guilty and it turns out that um that yeah the um 
the, the truth comes out and he says that, yeah, like he had thrown him overboard and cut his line. But as the other uncle was basically in the waters and knew that he would not you know, survive, he took out his own knife and cut the remainder of the guy line closer to the body so that immediately he would be, it would become apparent that he was murdered rather than, you know, death by misadventure. Yes. Yes. It's, it's rather clever. I have to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and so, uh, so that's the end of that story. And Halvard basically, you know, that's the best story I know because that's the contest. They, they all have to tell the best story they know. Um, and so, uh, we, we get, um, a, a little glimpse into a, an older Pellerine, uh, sister, uh, I'm not entirely sure what the nomenclature is, but, uh, she basically <laughs> tells Severian, oh yes, yes, you're, you seem very nice and, but you're a little, seems that you're a little mad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the other sister told me you're crazy. You think you think you have a you think you have a claw that will bring people back from the dead. <laughs> I I really like the conceit of of like uh, because the um, Miles has has the same has the same reaction after it. He's like, I think that probably yeah, you killed a lot of people and now your brain's no good. And you've made up this story about your magic thing that can bring people back from the dead. By the way, we forgot to talk about that. There, there's like a there's like a small child who killed thousands of people with a laser shotgun. Oh yeah. Um, I I don't have much to add about that, but that was intense. Mm-hmm. What an wow! That was uh that was very um Heinlein. I would say much more well, so yeah. than Gene Wolfe. Well, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, um, I forget who tells, uh, Severian about it. Uh, that basically it's, it's a young kid. He's just like a, a green recruit who was given, um, it's, 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 uh, it's like one of those, uh, one of those weapons you get, uh, weapon upgrades that you get like from like the R type video game, you know, it fires in three directions, <laughs> sort of like, uh, in, in a wedge, you know, there's a middle beam and two, uh, left and <laughs> yes. right beams, right? Yeah. It, it um, is. It's like uh, Gradius, yes. And so, um, so then, uh, basically, uh, he, you know, they're they're sitting on the line, and and you know, like nobody's expect really has expected ever that the enemy will will approach, right? Um, in, in that sense, it feels very um, sort of almost very World War One ish, right? That you know, like you're just sort of sitting on these parallel trenches across you know 400 uh, yards of of contested territory that's been all torn up. Uh, but but in this case, the enemy actually charges, and uh, you know, basically everyone was expected to just fall back. And the kid goes like, "No, nah, man, that's my job," and he fires and just just cuts through the enemy troops. The Askins just pile up into a wall uh, until the, at the end of it, he's still firing and they're jumping, like they're climbing over the wall of bodies and jumping down towards him. Uh, just wild. And obviously like they, they mention this because it's like, yeah, that, that kid's over in the other, you know, like in another bra- uh, arm of the, the Lazarette. Um, no one's been able to get him to speak anymore. <laughs> Yeah, he he's just gone. He, his mind has has gone away for a while. Yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, uh, I, I, I said that in such a jaunty tone and, and it's really sort yeah, of no, horrific. It's, yeah, well, it's, it's, not, I mean, it's not, it's not really told with any particular weight, which is, which, which I think is a very Wolfian thing. Like he's not, he's not trying to Im- import this or really any of this, like, I, like the story or anything with, with this like deep emotional weight, it's kind of being told like, I don't know. It almost reminds you of like, uh. Like uh, like Catch Twenty Two or mm, something like that. Yeah. The, the the Joseph Heller novel, mm-hmm. where it's like just yeah. this awful things, and it's like, well, that happened. That was funny. Well, that well, that happened. They could war well, crime I mean, now. It also <laughs> reminds me of uh, sort of like that 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 weird. Um, it's not displacement. It's uh, sort of like a, a weird um, holding stuff at, at arm's length and joking about it again. Uh, you know, like the, the same thing that uh, that Severian said that Jonas likes to do, which is that it's sort of told in this very sort of matter of fact way that is like you could almost hear someone chuckle at the end and go, hey, "Poor bastard," and and turn away and be like, "Well, I guess um, I guess the the they're going to serve us meatloaf again or something like that," you know, for for lunch. Um, and that's that's the end of the story. And I think that it's a, a weird um, that weird juxtaposition really lends it a little bit more more horror like. Like you said, Kurt, it's not trying to hit you over the head with an emotional response. It lets you figure out what the proper response in is. And really, it's it's pretty horrific it's just by describing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the it's it's up to you to put it in the appropriate context or not. Hmm. <laughs> Gene, Gene Wolf is not going to do all the work for you, motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, so then we get to Melito's story, which uh, <laughs> feels very much like um, sort of like a fable, almost like a Mark Twain-ish type of, uh, you know, like uh, one of those, uh, the, the what is it, the jumping frog of uh, Calaveras County or yes. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the famous jumping frog of the Askians, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> if, the, if the frog had had correct thought. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did did either of you also kind of anticipate that the Askians would be uh, large walls of text that could j- kind of look like an image? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I was thinking about that. Um, oh no, the Temple of Askian. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the it's all the uh, the like uh, those little like cowboys made from emojis. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the shoot hands. How, howdy. I'm the sheriff of Lazarette. <laughs> well, you, you know, we're joking about this, but also like, honestly, that's more or less what they are. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're not even like, I mean, it, it, it gets really uh, bleak when, uh, what was it? Even, even like Ava, the, 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 the younger uh, Pellerine is like, Oh yeah. Um, he, yeah. That guy, he's not human. None of the Askins are. And you're like, Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was really bizarre. <laughs> like she was just like, it's okay to murder them. Well, but but then again, it reminds me. I, I don't know if I told you this, uh, Chris, or, or maybe I, I I did, and I don't remember. But um, when when I was in uh, my my A school for for intelligence, uh, th- that was a way to get to the SEAL team. Right? Mm. There were four ratings that could get you onto the SEAL team. I don't know what what they are right now, but but in any case, 
one of them was intelligence. The the other three were gunnery, bosun, and uh, corpsman, which is medical, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes sense. These are the four ratings that are absolutely necessary for for a team to sort of help each other out, right? Yeah. Um, but but in any case, uh, one of the guys that was in my uh, my group uh, basically was listening to these uh, tapes and it's just basically like these religious tapes. I, I thought he was listening to like uh, I don't know like music or something like that. I asked him one day and he's like just a very nice guy. He smiles at me, just bland, you know, nice smile. And he says, "Oh yeah, these are um, these are just religious tapes, like you know, like uh, basically." Um, sermons about how you know it's it's perfectly fine um actually to to kill the enemy and you're like oh yikes okay and uh i was glad that i hadn't really developed a a strong friendship with that guy because i did not continue having any friendship with that guy yeah geez oh my good (laughs) yeah i didn't have any like a, a strong moral opposition to it at the time but you know i'm sort of glad that i was just like, went with my gut and i was like mm, no your smile now looks like a a, a psycho smile yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah thanks private pile <laughs> vince nofro baby um so yeah so we we get the uh the the uh the the rooster, uh, I mean, it, it, the, the cock that beats uh, that tries to beat the angel, and uh, t- you know, basically the angel sends an eagle after him, and uh, the eagle, you know, basically beats him, but he's like. Well, you know, um, I don't really, you didn't beat me. You didn't beat me. I, I only am defeated if I turn tail and you see the whites, the white feathers underneath my, my, uh, my tail. Uh, so you didn't beat me. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about moving goalposts. I, I did like that though, because it is, it is sort of like, it, it has very much, um, uh, I'm, I'm the little birthday boy, uh, vibes to it, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to hit, you want to hit a little guy like me, right? <laughs> but, um, so then we get to Ava, who is the, uh, the, the, the Pellerine, uh, the younger Pellerine who basically, uh, is like, Oh, you know, I, I heard stories about you. Uh, you're, you're the one that's sort of, uh, sort of, you know touched in the head right and he's like touched in the head oh but not in a bad way it's just sort of amusing and you're like what <laughs> she's also the one that says oh yeah the askins yeah they, you can kill them it's fine they're not human <laughs> we take but but that's the thing uh, she says that um the pelerines will also um will also uh try to help uh cure or heal animals so they just sort of view askins as animals that uh that that if if they need to they can heal yeah the one thing hold on there is something here that i want to i'm looking for right now damn it i should have i should have marked it um this is the magic of podcasting folks um (laughs) Uh, okay, here it is. So um, they're talking about the claw, right? And she's sort of arguing, like, like we we do get like um, like three different arguments that justify sort of in in non uh, sort of faith or magical or non time travely um, uh, ways. They justify exactly you know what 
exactly the claw is. None of them believe that the claw has any special power. Um, and so, like, for instance, uh, we, we just discussed that Miles is like, yeah, you know, he sort of justifies it from a psychological point of view, right? Like, you've killed a lot of people. You have a need to believe that you can bring those same people back. So you think that you have resurrected me or whatever, right? Yeah. Resurrect isn't the, the, the word that they use, but but it's basically that. Um, the older Pellerine says, oh, yeah, that's a relic. We had it. And then uh, basically uh, sort of engages in, in a type of sophistry about when it disappeared versus when it, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, she, she did not believe it, even though she's part of the order. Mm -hmm. um, and so then Ava uh, basically tries to sort of by your logic, uh, <laughs> her way into justifying that it's not actually a relic, uh, you know, in the sense that it does anything right. Because yes. she's, she she basically tries to um, dissuade him because she's like, well, you know, if if the claw does these things, well, would you have brought Thecla back? And he's like, absolutely, I would have. And so uh, she she actually does help him uh, because it's like, uh, was it? Yes, but I didn't know what it could do. It had not acted, or rather, it had acted. It had raised a woman called Dorcas, but I didn't know what had happened, where she had come from. If I had known, I might have saved Thecla, brought her back. But you had it? You had it with you? I nodded. Then, don't you see? It did bring her back. You just said it could act without your even knowing it. You had it, and you had her rotting, as you say, inside you, without the body. You're a materialist, like all ignorant people, but your materialism doesn't make materialism true. Don't you know that? In the final summing up, it is spirit and dream, thought and love that act and, uh, and act that matter. So basically, it's it's sort of a. I think I had posed the theory way back when that because uh, Severian had the claw, that was what made the union between him and Thecla more. Uh, effective, not, more effective, more more harmonious. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All I have to say about that is, uh, friendship ended with Gene Wolfe. Friendship, new best friend, Karl Marx. Uh, <laughs> materialism <laughs> rules. <laughs> Sorry, well, Jeff, man. <laughs> <laughs> we love your mustache. Uh, you know, but but. But there's another, you know, there's another man with an even bigger mustache, a whole beard, and if you will. A beard, even. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, it, it, it's funny because uh, also Ava, uh, <laughs> if, if you're sharp-eyed, um, you will notice that Ava was a, an, an optimist's daughter mm -hmm. who uh, was actually present in Nessus at the Sanguinary Field. Oh, <laughs> uh, she watched. She she was there for. She was there. Okay. Yeah, she was there. Um, what was it? Hold on. Let me see here. Um, uh, are you an armor jet? Okay. Hold on. Um, yeah. So basically, oh, once I saw a combat between an officer and an exultant in masquerade. Mm. Let's not forget that yeah. he was wearing his mask. Yep. Yep. Um, they use poison plants for weapons, I suppose, because the officer would have had an unfair advantage with the sword. The exultant was killed and I left. But afterward, there's a great hullabaloo because the officer had run amok. 
He had dashed by me, striking out with his plant, but someone threw a cudgel at his legs and knocked him down. I think that was the most exciting fight I ever saw. And I love that Severian's like, did they fight bravely? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, if, if we're to believe that he, this is uh, a true uh, recording of events of that conversation, Severian is completely clueless. He yeah. has not made the connection. Yeah. But we're supposed to. <laughs> It just I, I just laugh at that because it's like, oh, did they fight bravely? <laughs> right. And so um yeah, I mean it, it's it's great because the the Ava chapter really sort of uh tends it, it sort of brings up a lot of threads that were left sort of like for us to interpret. And while it's not explained because it's told from someone else's point of view. There's lots of questions that then allow you as a reader to sort of draw connections, tie those threads together, and sort of come to your own conclusions about, oh, so that's what that that was, and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. All right. So I guess those are the chapters that we got yep. for the moment. Yes. Uh, I am really looking forward to diving into this. Um I, I think with without the like kind of like some of the the time gaps that he would include in some of the prior like between books um were very disorienting um and so it would take a while to like kind of get like back up the speed like of where Severian is what he's doing what's going on what's like gonna happen now but um this being like pretty almost immediately after the last one um it just really brings it's 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 very immediate like like you know we're right back into it and and we're we're going strong to the end here so i i thought that at first chris and i i agree with the sentiment but there's one thing that gives me pause people keep asking him about like uh like rock fragment uh injuries and the only thing i can think of is either that's leftover from his fight at the castle um or Maybe something more has happened that we're not aware of, and mm. actually there was more in the gap. So that's that's what I'm pondering over currently. Unless anyone mm. else has an alternate theory about that, because um, a bunch of people at the Lazarette are like, "But you're covered with these rock injury, these like rock shard, uh, kind of like rock shotgun." I, I, I think we're supposed mm -hmm. to understand. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I do think, um, like uh, for me at least, I, I do believe that it that we can take that one at face value because we were we were given the description of of that of that battle, right? Where um, Baldinger's mace uh, was was basically like a, a vibro mace or something to that effect that just shattered the the stones of the, okay, of the castle okay, and whatnot. Okay, but enough. but I mean. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, say that you're you're wrong because you could be right. You'd say like, it, sir. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? <laughs> I'm just saying that Wolf. You know, he allows uh, his stories contain multitudes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they contain legions, as you legions as you might say, miles yeah. or legions, as they would say in Ro in Roman times. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, um, in any case, I, I do love the fact that we, we are left with the question of is Severian just completely off his rocker and he's seeing stuff where it isn't, um, 
is Miles actually Jonas, you know, sort of thrown forward into this body, uh, or is he someone else? You know, and yeah. and Severian's just seeing shadows where. Yeah, maybe there are more people that have weird uh, little anecdotes that they throw in. (laughs) (laughs) We've only met Jonas, so maybe it's it's a it's a common thing out there. I don't know. Uh, I I do like I I personally I do like the the idea that that somehow Jonas has been sort of like transported, uh, sort of like uh, his spirit has been transported into another body. It, it 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 really sort of feels uh, science fictional and sort of closing a loop, if you will. I mean, it mm. certainly seems plausible to me so far, um, considering he's like, yeah, I saw a bunch of weird magic mirrors going off into infinity. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the other thing, right? Because the uh, the the from what we've gathered from Hethor, apparently the the ships that they that they sail through the through the deeps of space also have like mirror sails, like solar sails, right? What mm. we would uh you know look at in like a nasa yeah. uh, uh video like solar sail type of thing they all reflect and whatnot so who knows who knows uh but then again jonas was a sailor so who knows maybe he's remembering even further back who yeah. knows I, I, my my pocket theory about miles is that um this is the this is the poor schmuck that got killed by jonas's ship <laughs> Oh, (laughs) (laughs) but who knows? I mean, that's the thing, right? Because if there's time travel, uh, there's some timey wimey shit happening. Hmm. I I don't think like, honestly, I don't know that Wolf is, is really into the, the wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff, but Mm -hmm. there is some timey wimey stuff. Uh, this is a total total aside, but um, you mentioning uh, solar sails reminded me of it. Um, there's a book that I always very much associate with solar sails um, that I think would be an interesting candidate to to read at some point. Uh, that being The Wreck of the River of Stars by Michael Flynn. Not that Michael Flynn, different Michael Flynn. <laughs> um, and it is, it, it, it's a, uh, it's, I, I guess you would call it a hard sci-fi book, um, but it is essentially a, a spacefaring tragedy about um, the, the last solar sailor vessel that was like a once great starliner, like, like a luxury starliner that used these great, you know, um, g- graceful solar sails to to travel back and forth uh, throughout the solar system, um, and it is the last functioning solar sailor. All the rest having been replaced, um, by like more conventional star drives, and it itself has been upgraded to star drives. Um, and then they have an accident that disables their star drives, and their captain, uh, becomes convinced that he can solar sail the rest of the journey. Um, and it is essentially kind of goes, uh, from, from there. It's, it's, it's an interesting book and I think would make for an interesting, uh, an an interesting episode at some point. So Hmm. I'll just throw that out there as one more, one more pin in the pin board for future (laughs) consideration. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, there is so many pins. Um, but yes, yes, I am totally in favor of that. So it's, don't, don't think that I'm saying me saying there's lots of pins on the board already is a no, (laughs) It's simply, I don't know when we'll get to it. 
but perhaps <laughs> soon, who knows? Um, but yeah, in, in any case, um, I think that that's, uh, that's it for me. Any last thoughts, uh, Chris, Kurt? Um, good to be back in the world of the new earth. I have a confession to make, which is that at the end of the previous episode, um, until you mentioned the next book, I didn't, I didn't realize that there was a next book. <laughs> and I thought that we had completed the cycle. And then, and then I was like, well, that was a strange ending. And then you were like, and we'll be back next week. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so, you'd forgot, so you'd forgotten there was four books. <laughs> I, I, I downplayed that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, who knows? Who knows what I was thinking? It was late. No, no. I mean, you, you know, you know what, Kurt? I, I, I am not going to judge you because there are so many trilogies out there that it's, it makes perfect sense to be like, yeah, three books. That's it. Three books, I guess it just ends like, you know, and, and like, I knew that there was more books. And I was like, maybe it's another cycle. I don't know. Anyway, mm. apparently that's not. Like, <laughs> that's like me, like losing, like, uh, the, the, the story that, um, my, my Lord of the Rings story, where if I had lost, uh, because I did lose the fellowship of the ring, like we went on vacation or something like that. And I lost the book somewhere. And it was like, I was halfway through before they get into Moria and, uh, and imagine if I had thought that that was the end of the book is like, that's weird <laughs> because uh, you know, the, 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 the actual true story is that um, since I could not find the, the, the fellowship of the ring at that point, anywhere where I could like, uh, you know, take it out from the library or whatever, they only had the two towers. I was like, well, what, how much could I have missed? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got, you got one tower, you got two towers. No big deal. <laughs> I started the two towers. I was like, Wow, a lot happened, I guess. Uh, <laughs> gotta catch up. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so, so you know, uh, if sci-fi and fantasy being full of trilogies, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blame you for any of that, Kurt. Um, in any case, uh, we will be back, uh, next time for chapters, uh, 11 through 20. Uh, so we'll be here soon enough uh it we will also be here on the far side of the graveside picnic so mm -hmm. folks all of october um this is the one respite that you'll get from the graveside picnic enjoy it <laughs> anyway spooky uh, <laughs> spooky hopefully we, we actually get more than spooky and actually scary oh yeah there's too much spooky stuff out there and spoopy stuff Ugh, god i hate that word <laughs> terrible anyway gents thanks again for joining me in this journey across nessus apparently we're gonna get to maybe we'll get to the askins uh in the next couple of chapters i don't know we'll see uh, thanks again for listening in, and we'll catch you next time here at Potside.